Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley, and yes, this is the destination for all things entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about business growth. We're going to talk about challenges, overcoming challenges, how to make a lot of money, how to lose it, maybe get it back again. We we really like to touch on everything that we can to make you a better entrepreneur, no matter where you are in your business. If If you're in that uh, that that air quotes entrepreneur stage or you're already running an organization that's got got people on it we want to help impact you by sharing stories tips tactics and techniques and today's show is no different you guys hear me talk about always wanting to to, to have on people that you know i know where i've seen them grow their business people i admire people that have mentored me this is unique because i get to have kind of a I mean, he probably doesn't even perceive it this way as a, as a mentorship, but he is basically has been a mentor to me and and is one of the few go to people that I will call on an issue. So I'm, I'm thrilled that we were able to get him. I mean, he's in the middle of building a killer startup right now. So I'm super excited to have Todd Smith on. Now, Todd is an American serial entrepreneur. I love that it sounds so Wikipedia. He's an American serial entrepreneur who has pioneered digital marketing and retail solutions particularly in the automotive industry. Now, Todd's experience spans more than 30 years and includes finding success as a Chevrolet dealer and also the founder of a company called Active Engage, which went on to become the largest managed live chat company in the automotive industry. Now, Todd's latest venture is 360 Converge, which is a communication platform that is delivering next-generation CRM. Todd continues to be a highly sought-after thought leader, speaker, and writer, and a great mentor. And I have to tell you before I bring him on, there's a few people in my head that I just that just have a winner's attitude about everything, a winner's spirit, and a great winner's story. I think all too all too often we rely on a tragedy to be a turning point. But there's some people who just kind of win and they know how to win. And this guy is a definite winner. Todd, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Awesome, Corey. I'm really excited to be here and uh, have fun today. And- Talk about whatever you would like to talk about. How about that? <laughs> well, you come now. I mean, first off, we probably have to talk about your disdain for Rick Astley uh, and his famous <laughs> and, and his famous uh, "Never Going to Give You Up" song that that we have in in our virtual green room before we come on with the podcast. I this is the the, the first you're the first person that has ever uh, had a problem with Rick Astley. What did Rick do something to you? Did you get Rick rolled back in the day or what? I, I, I don't know what has gone. On. On there, but uh, I honestly would have selected some other music. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if that is your choice, and I suffered through your Rick Ashley guy uh, in your green room, and uh, I'm never getting those three minutes and 48 seconds back in my life now, which is disappointing. But you know, I'm going to move on past that. So. Listen, that's and that song's going to haunt you. Trust me when I tell you tonight you will be doing something. You will be in your off time. You you might be having some private time in the restroom, and there it's going to come. Do 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 do. It's going to come. Right. You're never going to shake it. <laughs> and and at that moment, I'm going to call you, whether it's in the middle of the night, three a.m., four, five a.m. When I wake up, uh, guess what? 
you're getting a call. So I be prepared. <laughs> and uh, and I will follow up if you don't answer funny. with text messages, emails, um, and you I will ensure to hit you up on every platform uh, that is available to me to connect with you, sir. So You are a communications guru, so I, I have no doubt about it. Now, you know, we go back a long ways, and I remember – you know, knowing knowing much of your story, and and I remember us having dinner uh, a number of years ago, and um, we were somewhere down in Wall Street, and we were having dinner, and I was really getting to know your story more of it, and and you know, you were taking me through different things, not just in automotive, but your you know, real estate and all these things, and I was I was waiting for like the struggle moment or like hey you know and then this happened like i was like so many people that have that kind of entrepreneurship story and it i just remember leaving that dinner like man this guy just wins so talk let's set the table and talk a little bit about kind of your backstory um you know we don't have to go knee high to a grasshopper but let's let's tell a little bit of your your backstory so we can give people context Okay, uh, let's let's start knee high uh, because <laughs> I believe for me a lot of who I am is routed in like childhood. Like mm. I, I think I I got a lot of my muscle memory and resilience from being a kid and in two distinct lines. Uh, first, I grew up in a, like a divorced family, so my mom, uh, my two sisters, and my mom, uh, you know, had to get a job, so she wasn't around very much, kind of left me to my own devices. But I saw how hard my mom worked. She started her own wallpaper uh, business as well as, uh, like, painting business, like, uh, for uh, – because I grew up in Ocean City, New Jersey. So for, you know, all the Jersey people in the who house, could come down – Jersey. Yep, yep. So all the people who could come and buy, you know, vacation homes down there. Uh, my mom was the one who, you know, went in – to design and wallpaper, but work. I watched my mom build a business and hire employees and, and go through a struggle while still raising three kids. So work ethic was very visible then. And then the other side is I love to surf and I started to compete uh, to surf and realize you're going to lose a lot more than you're ever going to win. And that gets beat into you over and over again. And, and it's, it's learning to through those adversities through those lost contests that you keep going when right. you know you want to quit a lot uh you know you're just like i should have won i got second place I lost by three points um you know all these scenarios play out in a, a, a nine ten year old mind 12 13 14 15 all the way through uh that i you know competed you know basically at the top level in the world so for me it was that side of the competitive nature was there. And then seeing my mom and what it takes to put food on the table for your family and how hard she was willing to work uh, to do that, I, I think was a pretty big inspiration for me. So now, you know, fast forward and now you, you grow up and join the, <laughs> of what I consider uh, real world, you know, and that right. is like, I, I need a job, I, I need to have a, a career, uh, and what do I really want to do? What, what makes me happy and what gets me up every day? And, you know, I was always around the car industry as a kid growing up as well. Uh, both my neighbors were in the business. So FC Kerbeck was one neighbor and uh, Chip Miller and some stores in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I was around their kids, around the business and just was always in it, 
you know, and I found it fascinating. I loved cars because I, I just loved cars. Not I didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. you grow up, you, you don't have them, but yeah, I got to see and sit in a, you know, a Lamborghini, you know, because FC, you know, had the Lamborghini dealership and they'd come home with the Rolls Royces. And, you know, I, I sat in, if you right. remember, uh, the Lamborghini LM002, which was their sport utility vehicle, which basically yeah. they put it's like a Hummer esque looking thing that yeah. they dropped a Lamborghini, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, V12 in, right? So, and being around that, you know, you just, you get absorbed in the excitement of, of the industry. So, being a surfer, you know, you need, it's hard to find work because uh, I'd be out, you know, traveling to surf and I'd come back for periods of time. So what's more flexible than taking a sales job? And, you know, obviously I cleaned car, did that stuff, wrenched cars a little, didn't really like it because it was very slow moving, detailed work. Uh, but sales I found to be great. I mean, it's exciting. It's always different. You know, you never got really dirty. <laughs> so right, uh, right. you just, and you got to learn another thing that also I learned, uh, began to learn from surfing, which was the psychology of warfare. And, and to me, every mm. negotiation is warfare, right? And every time I'm in the water with someone, you know, you're yapping at each other and you're, you know, talking your game and you can literally call people out of their own success. So I feel like that mental mindset became a, a very important thing. And I, I remember, I think I was 14. I read uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon mm, Hill. That yes. became a, a huge driver uh, for me. Uh, I didn't really understand it probably the first couple times I read it, but I've mm. probably read that book a half a dozen times. From that, I moved on to uh, Limited Power, Anthony Robbins. I yes. uh, didn't really like the, the – to me, I don't know. There was something – I found elements that I really attracted to, like like the neural linguistic programming and yep. understanding how to leverage your mind. Like how do you fight through when your mind's telling you to stop – uh, when everything goes against you, you know, it's paddling against the tide, right? Like, how do you, right. how do you keep going? And uh, it's hard. And I, I feel like you have to callous your mind uh, to be able to do that. So, you know, as time goes on, you, you just get more and more calluses, right? It's like working out. Your, your right, body's right. natural reaction to working out is to give you calluses so you don't get injured. And I think for people who want an entrepreneurial journey, realize you're going to have to be calloused up pretty well during that journey to be successful. And that means, you know, taking the failures and learning from them, you know, not as much as I guess, you know, Facebook uh, Zuckerberg is like, you know, fail fast and, you know, fail forward and all these Many times, that come out. break it fast now. Yeah, but, or break yeah. it, break it, move on, all this stuff. Right. And, and, I get that it, it's great in context, but when you're actually in it and you're the one getting broken, it's not as yes. easy, right? Yes. So how do you have to have that? You have to find that inner gear, and nobody can give well, you that. Right? Well, and, and here's the funny thing that I, I always say because I'm you're saying something that I say so often, and I don't have any problem with being motivated and being motivational and all those things, but the the thing that always gets left out is how, right? We go, oh, you can make it. Just stay focused. Oh, okay. How? Oh, you know, don't give up. 
uh, okay, well, how? What can I do different than I'm doing? Like it's it's always just the the meme and the quote without sometimes the rest of it, which is problematic for a lot of people. Yeah, because you 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 hit the nail on the head. You see the, the path to success. It, trust me, it doesn't come through the happy path. It's going right. to come through the worst path in a lot of instances, and and it's in those darkest times. That's where you have to have resolve to push right. forward no matter what and you know like as you said everyone can i, I mean look at instagram today and facebook people all the stuff people post like stay positive right. it's good and it's like that's right. not the right. world that's nobody right. lives in that world right, that, right. That, right. you know that's very surface level and I, I guess what mike tyson said it good you know everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face right. right and right. and I, I guess that really comes back to there was a uh there was a general, I can't remember, I think it was World War II, that said, uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy. And mm. I, I think a lot of times, you know, we set out with good intentions and plans, but mm. I will always say the best entrepreneurs um, a lot of times can adapt around the plan because the plan most likely is going to fail. And it, it's not that it wasn't a, a good plan, but right. most entrepreneurs, when they start a journey, don't have enough knowledge around the area to really have seen around all the corners uh, mm. and pitfalls of what, what they're about to face. So I, I right. think it's critical that you realize a plan is nothing more than a framework uh, that you work from knowing that, hey, that room isn't going to work in this house so let's just get rid of it and move on and build it over here where we get uh you know uh eastern light you know every morning and oh let's put the windows on this side it like i think you have to have that understanding and flexibility of framework as an entrepreneur and have to have that to me just pure flexible right that you can mm -hmm. adapt to whatever is put in front of you and uh -huh. not be rigid and I, I see entrepreneurs fail because of the rigidness. They, so, they're they just bound and determined to drive their vision uh, yes. at the cost of their business. So Yeah, so, so let's stay there for a second because, yeah, you were walking me right into that feeling where – let's go back to those memes and those quips, right? You know, burn the ships behind you, right? And, <laughs> Cortez. And, yeah, and, and, it, and it creates this situation where they – they aren't flexible. Like I, I call so it, I refer to this as the Kenny Rogers principle, which is fundamentally based on, of course, the the song "The Gambler," right? Knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them, knowing when to walk away. I think so many people, because they're taught grit or told about grit and perseverance and don't give up, that they they think that means whatever it is they're trying to do, they should the way they're trying to do it, they should not give up on that when. You could just have a sucky idea or a sucky process or a sucky product that needs to be worked on or refined. Or sometimes, uh, you know, I, I had a friend of mine on who had a business for four years, ran it terribly, went to work for an organization in the same field for 10 years and got himself back together, learned everything about how to really run a business, and then went back and started his company. And now he's growing leaps and bounds. He you know, all of his clients came with him and and it took him 10, 12 years to learn those lessons. So let's go deeper into that idea of of being inflexible. So, I mean, let's think about, you know, you went on to to, to found one of the largest chat companies. And, and it's funny. 
and you know people throw around visionary people throw around this and i i i'm a guy that can admit when he's wrong about something and and you probably know what the story i'm getting ready to tell but i i remember when you when you founded the chat company and we were you you were had all this enthusiasm because like every entrepreneur does like you have enthusiasm about what you're doing now and you you know you're showing it to me and you're moving so fast i can't even like i'm trying to process but you're like and click here and do this and do that <laughs> but so so you've got this enthusiasm and we were first talking about that and i remember cuz i cuz i talk about it and admit where i was wrong i'm like dude nobody's going to type all this information and tell you give you email addresses and telephone numbers and just type into this box on the on the website and you're like uh look at how many people are doing and it was just like all these chats that we looked at and it really was being ahead of you know of the game to do that so what were some of the things that you think about that process because that that company scaled up to what 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 was the scale on that revenue What'd you scale that thing up to? A lot of revenue. <laughs> a lot. Uh, a lot. Uh, oh, he's cool yeah, right now. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. So a lot. Uh, eight. I mean, yeah. Eight, eight, nine figures. Eight figures. Uh, that one is almost nine figures. Yeah. Almost nine yeah. figures. I mean, so so in that process, right? You learn all these things. What would you think? What would you think were some of the major adjustments? Thinking about that process, scaling from zero to some mysterious nine-figure number um, that shall remain nameless. What What would you say were some of those adjustments you had to make in your vision? Oh my gosh, is it hundreds, thousands? And I think well, we only got a few back, minutes, but what? <laughs> I, 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 well, yeah. Well, look, it goes. We're going to go Joe Rogan style, and we'll just talk for five hours. Nah, right? yeah. Listen, <laughs> it goes back to a real specific thing to me. Like, there's two types of mindsets in the world, right? Okay. Uh, and there is what I considered a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, mm. you, and everybody has one, and and, okay. and you can fluctuate between them like it's possible right. let's give a good example uh lee iacocca well i'll just okay. use auto guy right because everybody yep. knows that name lee iacocca really got his breakout moment as the designer of the ford mustang right giving ford uh consumer muscle and he's the whiz right and then chrysler hires him to turn around chrysler and what's he do? He comes out with the minivan and he crushes mm. it. He creates an entire segment of the marketplace, right? Right. So this guy is like, you know, this is two-time winner, right? I mean, this is a guy, Midas Touch. I mean, think about it. Like, he did that whole America program. I mean, this it's Lee Iacocca. This is the guy. But after Lee Iacocca did that minivan, he surrounded himself by yes-men and women and he bought into his own ego and mm. ultimately he did not see the small car Japanese manufacturers come and it destroyed I mean destroyed that marketplace he hung on to the van as like oh this is what America wants I know best and he didn't listen to the people he wasn't open and receptive to 
listen. And when I mean listen, it's not just listen to people around you. It's listening to a market. It's listening and reading between the lines. It's, it's finding those, what I consider, little moments and signals that are out there. You just got to be open to them and receptive and not dismissive of them. And believe it or not, all the, to me, all the signs are always, always there. We just don't see them based on where we're at with our mindset. And I, I think when you have the growth mindset, you are, you just, you know, you're, you're absorbing information at high rate all the time. You're always looking to get better and improve. Because the second you feel you know everything, that to me is the second you start to like uh, shrivel up and die. And it, it goes in two, two graphs, right? So one, if you look at software development in general, the second a company stops developing and innovating and improving the software is the day that business dies. Now, the heart stops at that moment. They may not die for a year, five years, 10 years, but the body's dead. It just hasn't hit the pavement yet. Blackberry. So, yeah, look at that. Look at that tech. Blackberry owns a market, right? Yeah. But they had the fixed keyboard. Apple came out with a thing, and they just didn't want to evolve. And they, they just were stuck in their mindset that they knew best, and they right. didn't. And they weren't receptive to the signs of what was going on. They, they you know, basically put their head in the sand. So I always look at software. And the other one, look at Bezos. Bezos actually wrote a shareholder's letter. It's called Day Two. Uh, and he said, you always have to keep a day one mentality. This is why he's grown the largest retail empire on the planet, besides a, a, mm. a ton of other strategic things he does. But one of the things that he shares is his day two philosophy, meaning we always have to act like this is our first day in business. And the mm. second you act like it's your second day in business, I already know that, you are already dead. So I, I think there's a lot of value in understanding those principles as an right. entrepreneur to be right. successful long term because you're going to go through you know like an entrepreneur journey is like climbing mountains like you climb a mountain you're like yeah look what i've done i i'm doing 10 million rev and this is great and then you look and there's a bigger mountain in front of you but there's a trough to get to it and you, you know and then you go Musk. down you got to be able to go through that stuff and i mean elon Musk is a good example i mean he here's he a says, guy uh, who Wait, no, his thing is uh, walking on glass, staring off into the abyss. That's entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, it is. And look at him. I mean, Dude, here's I a know. guy at the, at the end, like here he goes through PayPal. This guy didn't need to do anything ever again, right? Right. And he invests in Tesla, basically gets a hold, buys Tesla, wants to build rockets. Uh, so he puts all his money, he takes his 150 mil or whatever he makes, 140 something, and divides it into three different uh, areas, uh, vehicles, Tesla, SpaceX, and solar, right? So uh, first two rockets blow up. Uh, right. So he's like, uh, so, okay, now you're at a point where you're like, whoa, what do I, oh my gosh, like if one more rocket blows up, there goes that whole investment. Right. And then Tesla, he's like, I, I just don't know what to do. You know, sales aren't picking up, but I have an idea for this other car. And right. I, I heard this story, which is fascinating to me. He sat down at dinner with uh, someone, I'll remain nameless, but he sits down to dinner with this uh, other Silicon Valley guy and says, uh, you know, they're talking and, and Elon basically says, hey, 
I'm going to go bankrupt unless, you know, A, I got this other rocket out and uh, two, I figured out the car thing. And, and he literally pulls out a design and over dinner, he goes, I, I this is a design. The investor is like, this is amazing. He goes, how much will it cost? He's like uh, about 60 grand. And the guy's like, that's, that. you know what? You should do this. And uh, the, that guy goes home writes two $60,000 checks, couriers them to Elon the next morning. And uh, that inspired Elon to go back to the bank, get the money to build the car. And that guy actually got one and two off the line. And wow. he, I think he gave Elon back uh, two or one. He gave him back one of them. Uh, but that was the inspiration and catalyst. Mm. And then obviously the third rocket went off and it worked and he ended up getting a NASA contract for, I think it was like 1.4 billion. Uh, but, you know, interesting stuff. Like here is a guy who could have walked away from everything, yet he put everything on the line. Right. Could have said I, mean, I was done. bankrupt. Yeah. It was well, been so, over. Like everything gone. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> one so fluke. Well, so here's the deal, though. Okay, so, I mean, you're leading into a natural evolution of a question to bring this back to to you personally, because now you are founder of this organization. You've built this big monster deal, and what light bulb goes off in your head that says, I need to go do a startup? Yeah, okay. Well, a few things. Um, for me, I... I am chasing, like, my dream is to develop software that everybody uses it to do their job better. So there's the the big goal always, right, is develop software that does this kind of stuff. Now, to leave uh, comfort, you know, is not easy. Um, But there is a compelling sense that I said I've had since my childhood. I watched my mom do it and I, I, I don't equate success with money. I equate it with like personal fulfillment, right? Because I know. Okay. But wait, 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 hold on. I can't just let you get that, get away with that. Now, is that not one of those things that's easier to say when you're not worried about money? Um, no, because I, 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 again, risked everything. Mm do this okay. again. So, I mean, look, I, I sold my house at the beach to help fund my new company. I, you know, I, again, will risk everything because I don't believe, I, I think money is just a, a tool, right? right. I, and, it, and I think when people place their success on what they're worth, I think you're missing a greater piece of what life is about. Right. So, and, and we don't need to have a philosophical conversation. Well, but, no, but no, but this uh, is no, but no, no. I think this is good though because I, I think there's so much duality in information, and this is an area that I've. I mean, this has been an interesting area for me because there ultimately is no definitive way of how somebody must live, though. Right. So, great example if we're talking tech. Right. Bill Gates's approach to his visual brand and the things he finds important is completely different than Larry Ellison, who will have on Brioni and will have on five ten thousand dollars suits and has both in that equivalency, right? There's a personalities, right? And like yeah, drivers. So, right. But there's people we'll that will go, oh this. no, don't don't live you can be rich. You don't have to you don't have to buy you know, you don't have to like you've never been big on cars and never in the car business, but like you were never big on like I've never seen you driving around in, in a Ferrari uh, or anything like, I don't think you've ever had a care for that. 
I'm sorry? No, because look, yeah. I believe whatever you covet controls you. Mm. Interesting. So what kind of life do you want to live? Do right. you want to live a life that you're controlled by your possessions? Oh, that that just seems that's naive. Look, I travel the world. Does the car? Does, it, does the Ferrari control cultures. me? Well, it does when you're like, that's what you. Oh, that's what I want. And then you're now you're worried about your car, where you park your car, what goes on with the car. Does someone yeah. go steal Very it? Very Like you're Very right. True. Like then now yeah. your possessions are controlling your behavior. I realize money's not the driver. I've right. met incredibly happy people around the world who have nothing, um, mm. and meaning nothing that we would look at as a Western culture and, and, and think value, but right. I found they had huge value, value with family, value with knowledge, uh, value with just love for each other, uh, value with accomplishments of whatever they're working on, right? And I think when you really love what you do, um, that's a powerful thing. That, that's far more powerful than possessions. And mm. I, I believe uh, to my core that, you know, possessions control a lot of people. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll give a good example. You just have to look at Instagram. You have to look at Instagram and people mm. posting these yeah. fake lifestyles yeah. where, you know, wherever you go to Russia, you can rent a jet for uh, $400 for an hour photo shoot, right? And is, that, is that right? Is that yeah, true? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, but there's just stuff and, like, you know – these influencers using these destinations in Bali and spending money to post pictures, to get likes, to drive revenue. You know, it's just like, it's not a real life. Right. It's a coveted curated life. That's not real. And anyone who thinks those lives are real, I mean, to step back and take a deeper look. And is that really what you want to be? And look, you can't, Everybody has to choose their life's journey, right? But I feel like it should be a journey, and it should be a fulfilling journey. And for me, my fulfillment comes from being an entrepreneur and creating software and, and employing people and creating teams and helping people to achieve their goals, right? There's a right. lot of power in that, right? That, hey, you know, if I, I remember I had an employee, and he wanted to go out on his own, and I was like, now a normal entrepreneur would be like, no, you can't leave. Uh, and I'm like, no, man, if that's what you want to do. And I handed him a book on his way out. Like, here's a book on like good sales because, you know, I'm an avid reader. So, like, right. oh, here's something that might help you. And it's funny because years later, the first, he's like, I, I still remember that. And, uh, you know, most yeah. guys would have just fired you and moved on. I'm like, now what can I do to help you? It's um, a different attitude. And, and you know, it's it, funny. As, as you're talking, I'm thinking about historically all the conversations I've had with you. And none of them have really been about I, – I've you've never said to me in any deal that you've been in, and I've known you through three or four deals that you've been involved in, you've never said to me, man, oh, man, I'm, I can't – I'm going to crush this. I'm going to make so much money in this thing. It's ridiculous. Like – you have never really approached that way, even even with your technology, even with the company now, the genuine excitement about what it's going to do and how it's going to help salespeople. You've never once said, man, yeah, look at this. This thing's going to make me a billion dollars. I equate this a, a great example. Um, I'm just thinking back at a story a long, long time ago. I think I was in uh, – pretty sure I was in Nambia surfing down at Skeleton Bay. 
and oh, just uh, hanging down, just just hanging down there. Yep, yep, yeah. Just hanging, yeah. yeah just hanging. Yeah, there. southern, southern, western Africa. And, uh, I, I was there yesterday. Uh, you know, it's another Tuesday yeah, for yeah. me. <laughs> One of the longest left barrels on the planet. Like when it breaks, it's crazy. I remember I had to go through like a minefield to get there. It was pretty wild. So, uh, and I went there when probably shouldn't have been. It was a long time ago. The last time I was there. Uh, but now people go much more frequently. Mm. Um, I remember uh, the beach, and you ever uh, take sand in your hand, and the harder you squeeze it, the less sand's in your hand. Um, yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And. and- <laughs> I think a lot of times when people only focus on the money, they don't wind up with the money because their blinders and their peripheral shrinks down so much that Mm. unless they hit a perfect bullseye, odds are they're not going to be successful. And, and I think of that because I was with a, African guy who's kind of our guide and, you know, he picked up the stand when we were talking about that. In, in more of a story, but you know, it always resonated to me that you know, whatever you covet, you better make sure right. that it's valuable, right. and because you have to be very careful with those things. And I don't think people think that way, especially a Western culture. But to me, I think a lot of it really was no. If money again should be the byproduct of doing something amazing, mm. because something amazing, look. Let's be honest. If I tell you, Corey, for the next year, you and me, we're going to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. We're going to go to the gym for an hour. I'm out, um, I'm out already. Well, I'm listen, out of- I, but, but hold on. <laughs> then we're going to gym for an hour. We're going to come back. We're going to have breakfast. Uh, we're going to read. You know, you can meditate for whatever. You could journal. You maybe spend a very short time with the family. And now you're going to go to work till nine o'clock at night, maybe 10, every single day, seven days a week, you're not getting one day off. Okay. I don't care if you're sick, you still got to show up every day and do the same thing for one year. But at the end of that year, and you're not going to make any money during that year, but at the end of that year, you'll have the potential to make $300,000 a year, every year for the rest of your life. Some people may do that. Some people couldn't do it. But if I said if you did it two years and you could make 600 grand a year, would you put in that work? Three years making no money, not a dollar, and you're going to work. You are going to work. You're going to miss out on so much stuff. Right. Actual sacrifice that has to happen to achieve the outcomes that you see and go, oh, look, Zuck built this crap in his dorm room, and look, he's a billionaire. Yeah, right. that's one in a that's one in a billion that gets to right. do that, right? Right. And right. That's not reality. So I think it's the understanding and sheer amount of work behind the scenes. It's like I look at a duck on a pond. He's just he looks like he's just cruising, man. It's nice. Right. And, it's nice. It's and then underneath, this guy is paddling like there's no tomorrow, right? And that's where I think a lot of you know entrepreneurship today is is very glamorized, right? It, it's it's shown as oh everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, but I doubt people really understand the dark side and the commitment it takes to be an entrepreneur. And let me preference that to be a successful entrepreneur. Yes. And, yes. And I think it's really hard, really hard. And a lot of people, you know, give up. 
ah, it just was a bad idea. It was, you know, I had a bad business partner. I had a bad, uh, you know, I just couldn't find the right clients. I had a bad engineer. My marketing wasn't good. Nobody liked that. Every excuse comes out. But they're all excuses to me. Everything's an excuse. Now, now, what what about, so do you believe, I mean, I, I just, I happen to believe, I don't like the idea that, we people tell people that your only path to success is to own your own business and and putting people in a state of of mind that the only way that that if they like people forcing themselves to try to be entrepreneurs or forcing themselves to try to be business owners i mean i i had i used to have a neighbor who worked for bloomberg lp and you know we got in the elevator one time and you know he's like dude, I don't know how you, how you do it. You do, you're always going this, that, and the other, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be employee number, you know, 7,522 and go to a big office with a ton of people. Like I love it. And it it was a, it was a great moment for, to, to hear that because not every, I mean, there's, there's so many paths to, and again, this comes back to your point about not letting money be the only North star for you and these things, but there's so many pathways to contribute, to find success in air quotes, you know, meaning success as you see it. But I, I just don't, everybody shouldn't, some people have no business taking that risk. I mean, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Look, entrepreneurship is not made for everybody, you know, and I think it's oversimplified. And as I said, you know what, for one year to work into someone else's company, learn everything, work like you own the place. And if you, if at the end of that year, you still have that mental mindset that you could keep doing this, then you can go to it on your own. But that's a it's a it's a tough lift. I mean, you got to be willing to go all in, and and that's that's the other side. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I'll, I'll do this, but I, you know, I still want my you know being able to go out to eat once a week with my family, and I still do this, but I I got to be able to vacation. What's your thought on the the term the work life balance conversation? That's bullshit. One thing. Like, look, to me, it's this entire experience. When you're trying to separate things, my work is my life, right? And mm. and listen, I spend time with my son and my wife, and I enjoy my family time. And I focus right. on that when I have, when the time is there to focus on that. Right. Um, now, is my mind still thinking about other stuff? Sometimes I try not mm. to, and it's hard to turn it off, but... You know, you have to be able to kind of segment things down as best as you can. But, you know, it, 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 that's a difficult side, and I'm probably not the best at it because I love what I do so much that I will put so much time into it. While maybe others think work-life balance, you're never going to be knocked the socks off, super successful, what I consider like, you know, breakout billionaire entrepreneur with that mindset. Those Every one of those guys, self-made, they're just I've met a, enough of them to know that they're driven to a level that it, it's hard to even just like look at that and go, it's like almost cringeable, <laughs> like right. what it takes uh, to do that I mean, level so, uh, of business. Right. So. so so like so like for me, like, I mean, I believe it. I don't think I don't think entrepreneurs I don't think we put enough emphasis into self-care 
as the aspect because right sometimes the 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 body will tell you you need a break or you know you some other some other thing will intervene in that so i don't think we put enough emphasis in the idea of self-care but to me that work-life balance thing and i agree with you it all merges itself together like my ecosystem i've never thrown a coaching client off the phone because we went 20 minutes too long because you know, I had to go catch my favorite TV show or I had to, or like, <laughs> you know, and, and I've had people like, and, and I don't, so I, I, I'm not a judgment guy, but like, I, I just know how I am. And like, there's been people like, well, Corey, I can't, I can't talk to you after five o'clock. That's my, that's my hard stop. Um, yeah, that, that and, does make sense to me. And, I, like and, and I, I mean, I, I can, res- I mean, I respect somebody's decision, but right. But what I won't listen to is, you know, business is slow. <laughs> like that same person in another type of conversation will have that complaint or something's not happening for them. You know, I'm not saying, you know, th- throw your kid out so you can work on a deal, but there just has to be i just think there has to be some perspective in that relative to one or the other hustle and grind till you're dead uh till your eyes bleed and now you can't i mean i know guys like that that have you know done so much in terms like programmers that program you know are building full stack deals and you know they're they lose their eyesight 10 years later because they <laughs> they they I mean no I mean, I'm laughing <laughs> because I'm just like yeah look I think the one thing I will say uh, I remember a quote uh, that still resonated always he said uh, take care of your body for the first fifty years and it'll take care of you for the back fifty mm. and I didn't hear who said you broke Anthony up Robbins oh yes, yes Anthony sir. Robbins right yeah. so to me. I'm, you know me, I'm always the healthy kind of guy. Yeah, like that's true. part of who I am, right? That yeah. you, you got to eat right. You, this is my vessel. I, I, I am a billion dollar entity in my mind. So I have to treat my body that way. Right. And, right. and he said, look, look at the average person who, you know, goes and like gets drunk and eats like freaking McDonald's. Most people wouldn't even feed their dog that stuff. Right. right. And it's just like, but you're putting it in your own body. And, I think there's that first thing is you got to, and you know, not to be cheesy, but you got to have self-love. You got to love yourself, right? And right. Fully for who you are, whatever you are, you're good, you're bad. You just got to love yourself, man, deep down inside. And uh, I can, I've met enough people to know, like you can tell who people who don't love themselves by what they're mm. doing to themselves. Right. Mm. But I feel like you got to take care of yourself first. And then that, creates the energy to let you do what needs to be done as an entrepreneur. And I I think one thing, it's like a daisy chain connects into the other thing. Then, you know, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be on a ability that you can learn a lot and fast and being flexible enough in your mental mindset to be wrong, to pivot, hesitation if needed. How do you have the mental game to, control your like to stop you from going too far too fast or to keeping that especially in a space like yours this tech space like what stops you uh because you again i know you're all like oh i don't talk i'm not talking numbers but you you have more resources than maybe the average person who may do a startup so let's just say that okay so what stops you or what has stopped you from potentially going you know what i've got four developers but man this thing could go fast if i just brought 10 in or 
I know that we, you know, we've got this amount of people in beta, but I, let's just push this thing out faster and not do some of the extra work that you're doing to make sure you get it right. How do you, how do you pace yourself? Okay. So a few different things here, because you, you touch multiple areas in, in yeah. that piece of the conversation. Uh-huh. The first thing is, let's just talk about products specifically. Hey, I'm going to develop products, right? I believe you don't want to bring a full product to market. You want to bring, you know, the, a minimum viable solution, right? Minimum viable product, MVP, right? And that minimum viable product needs to be able to do a task, a job, or something, and it's not the end result. If you wait too long to improve it, add a lot more features, and wait to release it, most likely you're going to release a product you're going to end up having to change up a ton anyway, Mm. in my experience. So what you're looking to do is release, no matter what it is, something simple, easy, do people, does it resonate with people? How do they engage with it? Uh, and, And gather that learning feedback is far more important than the actual mm. product, right? So yeah. that's to let so with product that becomes it. Now the next piece is you can't just throw more bodies at it. So there's a great book called The Mythical Man Month. If you haven't read it, it, it just means it, it's a good book to understand the dynamic dynamics. It's called, yeah, it's called The Mythical Man Month. So man. it's month man month yeah yeah it's called okay. the myth- mythical man month so read that okay. book if you want and that understands that you just can't throw more coders at a project usually it mm. creates more chaos and usually wheels will come off the bus and you really only have you know look what's the most valuable thing in the world you think because uh, I, you say oh todd you have money that gives you more capabilities you know, I, I say I am equal to everyone in the world because we all have 24 hours a day. Then time is far more valuable to me than money. And it's how I use that time. And I'm just far more efficient and effective at my time use than 99% of the people in the world. You're, you're like because I made of, that. You're the president I of Humbleese. You know, no. (laughs) Yes, thanks. But I've made that a cornerstone because it's not money. Honestly, it's not. It it really isn't. I I will get beat by someone who's hungrier than me, who's working harder than me, and just is willing to go that extra step that I'm not. Mm. So that's where I don't think it's money at all. I think that's a cop-out for a lot of people to say, I don't have the money and resources. You do have the resources. You have time. You have 24 hours a day. How you use that time will determine your output and your accomplishments in this world. What, what's the future of software? Uh, in what regard? The <laughs> outlook well, we well, software? I got, I got, Where is it I got going? Time, I got time for you to give me one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you're going to see uh, – You know, I love data. So yeah. I'm I'm very interested about data. Like I have been for a number of years, but I feel like over the last probably two, it's really started to like resonate with me of, of like data and importance of data. Large, like looking, seeing slightly around a corner, I'm starting to see how companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon are are storing up this huge volume of data. Apple 
right? I call mm. it like the four horsemen, like how they're storing up and walling off their data gardens, right? And I think it's really interesting because of the importance of data. Because most people don't realize that you are sharing your data all the time. Like your phone has apps. Those apps right, right. have data on your phone. Uh, your phone is projecting your location. Your location geo tracking, right? So your made your mobile ad ID is constantly being pinged by different like ad companies and, and servers, right? So your data is being bundled sold all the time and you get nothing for it. And, and mm. I think there's a future where us as to me the ants of the planet, right, will right. be able to monetize our behavior and get paid to allow like let's say a a portal to you link all your stuff to what you do anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that data is sold but you would get paid you would get a little piece of that data clearinghouse and my almost like spotify um almost like spotify plays the fraction of a penny to the artist every time somebody plays their song okay interesting think of that and think of it as right now, maybe the average consumer is worth a few hundred dollars to maybe a thousand dollars a month, like in right. data, like mm. like money, like it really being. If we kind of looked at a consumer and the data that can be pulled from them, they're probably worth that, right? But right. what's the future where you could be paid a wage that is equal to the poverty line, data, and just right. behavior. I think that's an interesting thing that could help change our planet for the good. And it, it doesn't do – it just helps, you know, I mean it helps many more people to raise them above the poverty line by leveraging the behavior that they're already doing and monetizing themselves, uh, right. which is kind of an interesting philosophy, right? And it changes – it would change our financial – dynamic drastically so uh, i think that's one thing no nope, that's all you got was one <laughs> okay, okay that's <laughs> now, now, yeah and yeah, i mean listen go. and that that's such a great i love it and what i love about you that's such a great holistic way to kind of segue on to to uh some of the closing segments of the show because it's like it was a great moment to end on you know versus and if you do that you'll make a billion dollars i like it's just so true to your character there but i i do want you to tell everybody you know um because we're at the part of the show where I have to ask you about your craziest entrepreneurship moment, something that pops out at you. We've had people, you know, have fell off the stage while they were speaking or people who got an email back uh, from Jeff Bezos that they never thought in a million years they would get. What, what's one, one moment that pops out in your head? Pops out in my head for entrepreneurial moment. Like just a crazy um, moment, yeah. Something that happened to you or happened to somebody else or just what would you, you say? Know, you know, one of the things where – uh, so I had a direct mail business. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, back in '94, uh, five, I had a direct business, and then I brought I bought the print house too that actually produced the direct mail like stuff. I Got at it. the beginning was just selling the events, right? And then I was like, I bought the actual print house, and uh, you know, get the call at two o'clock in the morning that that my press one of my pressmen, uh, you know crushed his hand in Heidelberg. Um, oh, wow. And then you have to go through it, right? So 
I, I think that was like the, here it is, middle being an entrepreneur is going to be like a 24-7 kind of experience. And <laughs> that's going to be the rest. And I think it was kind of an aha moment. I was like, whoa, am I really, can I do this? And I feel that mm. set me up for ultimately then starting active engage years later and knowing that that runs 24-7. Like, and knowing, like, yeah, you're just we're operating twenty four seven. We live in that type of world, right? right. And I, I think so. For me, that was probably you know a moment where I was like, whoa, being an entrepreneur, it's not like I can, like, you go to work and then you come home and like the right. second you shut your office door and turn off your computer, you're out of work. That doesn't right. work when you're right. Well, 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 right. One of my best friends works for the United States Postal Service. When he leaves yeah. the office, it's over. Like he's not. Right. We're not. He doesn't come home. Like I don't see him at night, and he's like, "Oh man, yeah, uh, hold on, I got to take this call real quick." He's not thinking about anything that's got to do with right. with that until tomorrow morning at eight thirty. So, so I get it. That's that's pretty interesting. I've, I've never heard that story, and I'm sure whatever your epiphany was old buddy that had the hand drop, he probably tells the story a lot differently too. Well, yeah, he goes, oh, I got hand crushed in a the <laughs> thing because we had to operate on this big job that had to be done right. Uh, right. for, uh, it was train, I still remember, it was a train uh, air conditioning company. I think we were running that job in Outback Steakhouse or, or Dank at the office computer. We were doing like, worldwide mailing. So, I mean, it right. was a lot. Right. And, uh, you know, and then, well, glad, yeah, so I'm that's turned, probably a pivotal thing. I'm glad it turned out okay for him. All right. Are you ready for entrepreneurship rapid fire? Oh, yeah. Let's bring it on, man. Show me what I'm you gonna, got, Corey. Bring it to me. Come on. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It's an opportunity for our listeners to get inside your head, see how you tick, see what kind of things you use and, and what your thinking is in your everyday life as an entrepreneur. So I want you just to give me the first answer that comes off the top of your head. Okay. It's, that's why we call it rapid fire. All right. Are you oh. ready? Okay. I think so. PC or Mac? Mac. Favorite credit card for running your, your business right now? Amex. Physical planner or digital planner? Uh, physical. What's your favorite software right now to manage your business? Uh, don't really think I have one. Is there a software you can't live without? Like, oh man, if I did, if that was down or you didn't have it, you'd be in trouble. Uh, probably Zoom because <laughs> I do okay. a lot of, of conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Yeah, for sure. Starbucks, Dunkin', or other. None. None? I use tea. Now I make my own tea. Yeah. You make your own tea? Is that what you said? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I use my own tea. Yeah. So. He, he, he makes his own tea, everybody. Okay. When it comes to thanking someone, thank you card or thank you email? Oh, written card. Handwritten card. Usually nicer, you know. So you talk about uh, consuming a lot of books and information. Is that hardcover, tablet, or audiobook? Hardcover. I like to hold them. So okay. What would you I say is your ne- when I buy? So <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your next big goal? Next big goal uh, is really to get 360 into 500 stores, and you know the business. What I consider at a point that it, it's ready to scale. And if you could have one day, final question, one day with any mentor, who would that person be? Oh, 
one day with any mentor, I think I would sit with Abraham Lincoln. No, he's got to be alive. Only you. It's got to be alive. What? You did <laughs> not say alive. You did not preface you. it with okay. alive. One day with any mentor who's alive, who would that person be? Oh, man. Abraham alive Lincoln. mentor. And I get to spend a whole day with him? Yes. Um, or, or he or she? I would probably say uh, Jeff Bezos um, because of how he just what he's been able to do. Okay. Okay. Final, final, final. This is the entrepreneurship trivia question. Now, I'm going to give you a multiple choice answer. So that means you have a 33% of getting it right. So no pressure. Okay. Okay. No pressure. Are, are, are you ready for your question? Sure, man. All, All right, right. Here we go. Here we go. Roughly. Roughly, how long does it take to set up a business in the United States? And this is according to a study by the World Bank reporting this. Here are your options. 2.2 days, 4.2 days, 6.2 days. Hmm. Um, how long does it take to set up a business in the U.S.? Complete the um, procedures to legally operate a business. Um. Well, I, I really only know Florida, but I would say I'm going to go with the middle one for 4.2 days. Yeah. Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick to it. I really well, leaning well, to two. Well, I will. Well, I will say this. I will say this. I started this call by telling you you're a winner and telling everybody this guy always wins. And yet again. <laughs> Even on the damn trivia question, he gets it right. The answer is B, 4.2 days. Okay. Todd, there it is. I, Todd, I appreciate you, uh, you stopping by today and, and sharing your thoughts and insights, and thank you for joining the show. I appreciate you having me on the phone, and as I said, anything for you today and always. So, how, how if people want to follow your journey, how would they? How, how do they follow your journey? How do they connect with you? I mean, we do have auto industry people that that uh, that listen, but just anybody wants to be in your in your ecosphere, how do they? How do they find you? You know, pretty easy. LinkedIn, I'm all over there. T o d d l e a r s m i t h. So LinkedIn's usually probably a fast way. Um, all my contact stuff there. I get emails from people uh, all the time. So <laughs> thanks, Todd. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to my podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. And if not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that you think can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you are a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head on over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Next week.